We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and Jack. We're talking about a Nets loss to the Sixers, 133-137. How are we doing? You can't win them all. Yeah, can't win them all. A good effort, especially with no Kevin Durant. Had a chance at the end. Couldn't come up in the clutch, but we're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start? I thought the Nets fought really well, Nick. Uh, I, I give a heap of credit to to Kyrie leading the way, Seth leading the way, a Klax absolutely leading the way, and Jacques Vaughn, you know, just inspiring the guys, putting the right timeouts out there, you know, playing you to some extended minutes when he was feeling it a little bit. Uh, I thought that it, it was you're not going to get admirable losses. I'm not a big believer in them, but obviously, I think tonight come is the closest thing to that. Yeah, I think the offense was really good considering Philly's a top five defense in the league and they dropped 133 without Kevin Durant and they they had guys step up. You mentioned Kyrie Irving was awesome. Nick Claxton was amazing. You know, Seth Curry had a little revenge game. Other guys probably could have played a little bit better, but there was enough offense to win this game. It was really defense, uh, rebounding and turnovers that committed to the loss. Yeah, in terms of rebounding, it was mainly the offensive boards. You know, eleven six. You know, Philly's way. You know, thirty six to thirty one overall. Not the the biggest discrepancy, but the Nets had sixteen turnovers to the Philadelphia 76ers eleven. At one point, that was you know even a, a high number. The Nets had like you know the, the Sixers had like eight, but in the the closing moments of the game, the Nets did fight back a little bit. And the points of turnovers was a massive discrepancy. But you know, in the latter points of the game, Kyrie Irving was getting in there. Clax was forcing some. Even Seth, they, they were all just doing a little bit here and there. So it's only 23 to 20 at one point. But you know, there was a lot of free throws and you know, maybe that's you know where the Nets defense wasn't incredible. I thought it was actually okay despite giving up 137 points. But you know the Sixers had 36 free throws. They hit 35 of them. The Nets had 27. They hit 21 of them. So that's maybe uh, another game indicator as well. But I think overall the Nets had a chance to win this one. You know, the Sixers had six extra six extra shooting possessions as well. And a lot of people don't like when we talk about the stats, Nick, but I think they do matter in a four-point loss. Yeah, second chance points, 21 to 11 in favor of the Sixers. That's 10 points right there in a four-point game. But as you mentioned, down the stretch, there was a couple mistakes. You know, Seth Curry had that ISO air ball. Uh, Royce O'Neal obviously turning it over on that last possession of the game. Royce O'Neal getting cooked by James Harden on a crucial possession as well. You know, defensively, 
really did a poor job, I think, on James Hard late in this game. You know, credit him hitting some step backs, but that's his game. He's going to shoot a step back three or drive to the rim, and if he shoots a mid-ranger, you'll live with that. I think there was also some outliers for the Sixers, and Matisse Thibel knocked down a couple threes in this game, and that happens once every 20 games. Yeah, I think I, I said it to Justin on the pod that way he did that Royce is a some three, some D player. Yeah. Like he's he doesn't do both of them consistently enough to be a Mikhail Bridges, Andrew Wiggins, OG Ananobi, all those sort of guys type. But I think we should talk about Nick Claxton, Nick. Yeah. And I think we should continue talking about Nick Claxton. And I think we should add a new podcast to the Blue Wife fee called the Clax City Podcast. Because dear freaking Lord, this kid is something else. He blocked the I really want to say the F word right now. I really <laughs> had, had the button on you. He blocked the heck out of Joel Embiid on a dunk attempt. He outplayed Joel Embiid, maybe the best center in the league alongside Nikola Jokic tonight. And he just went like, you know what? This is my party. I'm here to play. I'm here to do my thing. 11 to 12 from the field, 3 to 6 from the free throw line, 11 boards, 4 of them offensive, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Unfortunately, that 3-block streak uh, did end tonight, but he, he extended the 20-point streak. We had 25 points again. Man, I love uh, this coming out party, However, whatever types of party. I'm, I'm, I'm going to it with, with Nicholas Claxton because this dude is something else, man. Yeah, Clax is awesome. Four straight game over 20 points for Nicholas Clax and obviously a career high coming, like you mentioned, Jack, outplayed Embiid 25 and 11 in this game. Both blocks coming on Embiid, one on the dunk, one in the post. I think Clax does not get enough credit for how well he played Joel Embiid. You and I talked about it last season, especially when it was the depleted Nets versus Sixers. Clax had a really good performance against Embiid again tonight, and he's checking all the boxes defensively. It, now it's really a question, what can't he do on that end of the floor and I'm not sure there's really anything. You know, he's not going to be the biggest, strongest guy. But if you can hold your own against Joel Embiid, who else is there? He is... Look, Jaron Jackson Jr. gets the the hype and the love because of how well Memphis do. And when he's on the floor, you know, they are tremendous. But you'd be hard-pressed to not give Nick Claxton Defensive Player of the Year. And I guess I'll ask you this question now, Nick, because I think it's a pretty, you know, it, it relates to the discussion that we're having. I put out the other day, I can't remember if it was this morning or, or yesterday, about the recognition that Nick Claxton is likely to receive. Is it going to be All-Star? Is it going to be All-Defense? Is it going to be Defensive Player of the Year? Is it going to be Most Improved Player? The fact that he's in all of those conversations is incredible. There are few players that are going to ever be in a conversation like that. But Nicholas freaking Claxton is Clax City, bitch. We are here. Where do you think is the most likely? You know, I got a lot of responses. A lot of people varied in, in what they responded with. Where do you think he's most likely to get the recognition? And is it all of it? I think it should be all of it. I think he's an all defensive team lock at this point. He's been so good. I tweeted something out during the game. He's must watch on the defensive end. I don't know how many players you can say that about. You know, he might lock down one of the best scorers in the league. He might block a Joel Embiid in the post, whatever it is. Clax does it all. But I think the scoring is what is giving him an opportunity to make the all-star game. If he continues this stretch for the next week or two, he has a real chance to get in the all-star game because of how well he is really playing on that end of the floor. And offensively, you saw tonight a couple drives on Joel Embiid. Hey, give him some space. He's going to use his mobility. He saw James Harden in front of the rim. He said, that's a bucket right there. I mean, I think most improves is going to be tough because the scores typically always get that. You know, somebody like SGA, maybe you'll get that going to almost superstar status. But all defensive team is a lock. I think defensive player of the year, he has a real chance to win that. You know, top three minimum, and All-Star is a real chance too. Uh, what are you thinking, Jack? 
Yeah, I would probably agree pretty much with all of it, Nick. You know, I'd have him at a minimum second in Defensive Player of the Year. I think for most improved player, there is an element of bias from from you and I when it comes to this sort of stuff. But in terms of overall game, it always goes to a guy that goes from like 10 points to 20 points, a CJ McCollum or or whoever else it, it might be. I just think that Nick Claxton's overall game has improved out of sight. You know, he's one of the best switch bigs, but he's now defensive game, like you alluded to, is so well-rounded that there are a few bigs in the league that can do what he does. His offensive game, like, does he miss shots? Like, this dude just doesn't miss anything. And Against one of the best rim protectors in the league in terms of, like, physical presence right there, Joel Embiid really didn't pose a threat to Claxton tonight. There were two shots that stuck out to me. That drive you said on, on Joel Embiid, which he finished with his right, and yep. there was an, actually it was three shots. And he had another one where he was like, all right, okay, I can't get to my left here. Can't get to my left again. I'll try it with the right. And he, and he shot it over him with the, the little hook as well. And then he had the nice little like sort of fluid Euro step, you know, when he had James Harden under yep. him. And he slips the screen. This dude is something, man. Like I, I, there aren't enough adjectives that I have in my head because they are overridden by emotion and love for how this kid is playing. He is a special, special player on the rise. And we are very lucky to be able to bear witness to the rise of Clack City. Yeah, I think he's a really good slasher for someone his size. You know, the Nets can get super creative when Kevin Durant is back, especially on some of those pin downs, and now turning that into an opportunity for Clax to cut to the rim. And we, in showing the ability to finish with both hands, he also had that nice little scoop under the rim. That was probably his toughest attempt of the night. But again, like you said, Jack, it's awesome to watch him ascend to this level and so drastically in such a short span of time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, we compare it to the BS report. And it's just like, look, I, I think it's, they are going to be tied to each other because the Nets were thought to have three stars. They traded James Harden away for Ben Simmons. And yes, he's on a max contract. They've been given the max contract, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they are very lucky that Nick Lax is playing the way that he is. And it almost takes away some of the attention away from how poorly Ben has been. Other than... 12 minutes or 10 minutes, however many played in that third quarter where he was very, very good. And it reminded me of when I was discussing about the Phoenix Suns game about Kyrie Irving produced 21 points in the fourth quarter. I'm like, well, why couldn't you do that for the first three? The good thing about Kyrie, he's done it for the last three games straight. He's been absolutely sensational. Ben has given us 10 minutes here. And in the fourth quarter, the Nets made a very good run. They outscored them 35 to 30. Ben was nowhere to be seen. Ben had, like, if you tell Ben Simmons that there's three seconds on the clock, you know, and he just has to think that mentally, then he's going to get shots on Montrez Howell getting an and one opportunity. Because he did that two or three times tonight yep. throughout the third quarter. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, how can you, like, just switch your mentality and just, you know, switch your mindset and, and switch your aggressiveness and just, like, there's an on and an off switch. Just, like, and his defense was, was pretty poor tonight other than a couple of posts. Uh, post uh, possessions on on Joel and B, which I actually thought were quite impressive. But in saying that, man, the the BS report is something that frustrates me to no end. But you know, the, what, what, let's take a look. Like I said, the box score because five or seven from the field, two or three from the free throw line. The fact that he hit two free throws straight was something. in Philly. In Philly as well, ten, twelve points, five assists, five rebounds, a block. I just think that the and minus sixteen on the night. I think the minus sixteen is reflective of his negative impact on the team. And again, there are nights where Ben Simmons has been plus 10 and he's had a triple-double, and it's just like, is he really plus 10? Is he really the best plus-minus player on the team? Tonight, he was the worst. And he had like, there was times where he was just like, uh, he can be two separate players and two separate entities and two separate people. And I'm like, uh, uh, how? how How is that possible, Nick? I really don't get it, Jack. I think we were talking to the DMs. It's probably the most frustrating part. It's like a tease. You know, he had that drive on Montrez Harrell. You're like, damn, do that every possession. You get smaller players on you than Montrez Harrell, and you don't take them to the rim. And you settle or you pass the ball. I mean, the first half was a disaster offensively. There was just times where he had the ball in front of the rim, and he just looked to throw it to Steph Curry, who was covered. It's just like, go up. Get to the free throw line. Take some shots. You're not even shooting that poorly from the free throw line recently, and you look more confident. Like, I really don't understand the mindset. And if you want to be a pass-first guy, you have to become a threat first. If you score 15 points in the first half, those passing lanes are going to open up in that second half. But Ben just is not, not staying aggressive for more than a quarter of a game and sometimes even less than that. His um, his indecisiveness, his passiveness is something that is really, really, really hurting him, and really, really hurting the Nets as well. And you know, he missed an absolute like it's two games in a row that he's missed absolute bunnies, like right in front of the rim, like two feet away, and then where he's almost yeah, falling it, off, he can drop the ball in the rim. 
Yeah, it's I, uh, I I don't get it, but the BS report uh, again. We're looking for a sponsor, guys. At Jack Manuel, <laughs> at Nick underscore Faye underscore. If there's any sponsors out there that want to jump on board with Ben Simmons and and the ride and roller coaster that that is, feel free to hit us up. But Kyrie Irving tonight, Nick again, another sensational performance from Kai. Nine of fifteen from the field in his at thirty eight minutes, two of five from three, ten of eleven from the free throw line. Our guy is getting to the free throw line. We love it. Ten assists yep. to go for his with his thirty points as well as two boards and two steals did have four turnovers but i don't think that a lot of those were i thought those weren't awful turnovers because you compare that to royce neal who had five himself um, but i thought another really great game from Kyrie Irving. the shot making was out of sight that lefty drive towards the end. the end of the game i'm just like bro like how like what is i just want to like be Kyrie Irving in that moment just like transport into his body and mind and go Okay, how is your body connected to your mind and your in both ways to actually have you produce that? Like, it's just, it's MJ elite, like, just goat level shit, man. Like, he is phenomenal. It's the processing at that quick, you know, reacting to Joel Embiid in the way that he's motioning in the air. I mean, this is Kyrie's 13 best quarters as a net consecutively. You know what I mean? Just, he's been awesome another game. And this game, even... Philly was, you know, do, doing everything they could to take the ball out of his hands or giving, showing him to whatever it was. And he still scored 30 efficiently, 9 of 15 and 10 of 11 at the free throw line. And, that, and I love the 10 assists. We always talk about making your teammates better. He did that. Locked in defensively late in this game as well. Kyrie was awesome. You couldn't really ask for more in this game from him. And I think it's more on the Nets not doing a better job of taking advantage of some of the opportunities and getting him some more open shots. Because obviously 15 isn't enough, but some of that goes to Philadelphia in their game plan. Yeah, the Kyrie Clacks pick and roll is lethal. I'll continue yeah. to bring that up there. That job is just something out of sight. Kyrie Irving's playing your pure point guard in, in a lot of ways. His decision-making has been superb. And, you know, both of us have criticized that in the past. And he may have had, like, one bad shot tonight. And, yeah. you know, he's... His leadership and just you know all-round play has been just superb, and he deserves all the credit. He should be an all-star this year as well. He's been playing phenomenal-level basketball, especially in the absence of KD. Despite those you know one or two games, you know he's stepped up and then some. But Nick, the third best player tonight for the Nets was Seth Curry. You know, former yeah. Philadelphia 76, 11 of 20 from the field, seven of 10 from the three. Good to see that three-ball starting the drop. Three of three from the free-throw line. Did have four dimes as well to go with the steal two turnovers plus five for his 32 points 32 points for him you combine him Kyrie and Glax that's a hundred and or sorry 87 points between them that's a phenomenal effort between those three and and Seth was you know incredible tonight and I guess there was rumors and we'll chat about them on a trade episode we're gonna literally record right after this around Seth Curry and Joe Harris and Patty Mills Seth's like you guys gotta keep me this is what I can do I can score 30 points can Joe do this can Patty do this he made a pretty goddamn good argument for the nets to retain him despite the de real de defensive deficiencies that he does have but buckets win games nick it's a buckets league make or miss yeah i mean seth curry puts you in this weird situation because obviously the defense is bad and even in this game you saw stretches where hey james harden was trying to target him and get that matchup i think the zone did a nice job of kind of protecting him in some ways but 32 points in a regular season game can get you a win against most teams. And if you want to have someone on the bench that can help you get regular season wins, Seth is probably the best out of that bunch. 
But when it comes to the postseason, you know, he's the the second biggest question mark. But Joe Harris, obviously not playing well either. So I think you look at all these guys. We're going to jump down the trade episode a little bit more. But Seth has these games and that clearly when you score 32 and you play even poor defensively, it's going to even out. And that's what we saw tonight. The problem is he doesn't score this way every night. No. And look, Joe Harris fouled out tonight. 20 minutes were pretty, was uh, pretty bad. He was pretty goddamn awful. He seems to always play bad against the Philadelphia 76ers, stretching back to, you know, the, the postseason where he was, you know, an aberration. He was so goddamn awful. But yeah, the discussion about Seth versus Joe versus Patty, you know, we can have that a, a bit more in the trade episode. But focusing on Seth, I think he can be a peace I, I I trust him a little bit because I think in compared to last season where we had Steve Nash at the helm and his lack of creativity, his lack of foresight, his lack of proactivity to just hide Seth, hide Kyrie, do a little bit of zone here or there. I and Seth and Kyrie together on the court now, you know, in 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 games past have been like, man, this isn't gonna work out well at all. But now they are just both so good offensively, it sort of nullifies their defense. And because Clax has been so incredible and been to a, a certain point, and just different, you know, guys stepping up in, in in different points here in time at, at at different points in time, I think that Seth, I don't have as many worries about him. But, you know, the next game against Detroit and a game against, you know, going forward, I, I could take back these words. You know, I literally said he's the worst defender in the league a couple of games ago. I don't think that's necessarily changed. But I do think that he can be a positive producer in in big moments because he's done that in in the past for the Nets in in different games here and there. You look to the Clippers game this year. You also looked back to his time in, in Philadelphia where he was one of the better offensive players in their postseason. So... It's it's a tough one because it's what can you get in return? You know, what are you going to give yep. up? What are you going to give it back in return? So it's an interesting discussion to have. One we'll have more on the trade deadline. But Seth continued to do continuing to do great things. I guess we do. You want to jump into any of the other guys before we uh, finish this one up, Nick? Yeah, just I guess quickly transition to Joe, who shot well in this game, but defensively was terrible. Rotations are again late, and then having those bad touch fouls. You know, if you're Lightly tapping Joel Embiid on the wrist, that's not doing anything at all. So I think that's where the frustration is with Joe. Defensively and offensively, he was good enough in this game, you know, knocking down the shots at an efficient rate, but also the fouls. The fouls are bad, and a lot of them are just bad positioning and mental mistakes. And other than him, I think most of the other guys didn't play well. I guess maybe you touched on your YouTube guy, was pretty good. Yeah, yeah my guy. Like there was a point where, like, I think you tweeted something out where, like, his rotations were were really poor. But I think beyond that moment, you know, Utah had a really positive stretch. Yeah, I think also uh, Royce O'Neal missed him on a beautiful cut in this game through like yeah. a rocket pass over his head. That should have been an easy dunk, a really timely cut from Utah. You know, knock down a three. I think that three-point shot will hopefully start to come back. I think defensively sometimes I like for him to be a little bit more aggressive at the three-point line, but we saw a really nice recovery on Tyrese Maxey in this game and get a block there. Yeah, I think that that block was the Utah, the, uh, Utah Swatanabe, you know, back, yeah. back in force. But I, I still trust the three-point shot because I, I think he chatted to reporters. There's been some great reporting on the Nets over the last couple of days from a, a lot of different beat reporters. And he has confidence. And I think that that matters so much. He has confidence and comfort, you yeah. know, a thing that Ben Simmons could could certainly use. And I think that I, I still trust the mechanics. The, the speed and fluidity of that shot is, is certainly there. I think Kevin Durant coming back 
Ryback obviously is going to yep. uh, help him improve out of sight. But a lot of people, including myself, were like, man, KD not being out there is affecting him. But, you know, he still had four or seven from the field, one or three from three, four rebounds, two assists, a block, a plus 16 on the night in his 25 minutes. And again, plus 16, uh, a, a lot of the net stretches were because Yuta Watanabe was out there. He was doing the little things. He was getting down there. He was you know, doing better things than he's done in, you know, he wasn't making as many mistakes. Yep. And the mistakes that he did make, you know, weren't as glaring. And he also did a lot of positive things. I just, I continue to love him as a rebounder. And that, you know, cut towards the end of the game on the Royce O'Neill inbound where you know, he's basically got, had to throw it in and Utah times to cut well. That was the better pass yep. that we probably wanted from Royce. But I thought he was a positive tonight. And I hope this can take him going forward to get back to a semblance of consistency because he can be a contributor. You know, when you've got him, TJ, you know, th- these guys coming off the bench and, and you know, Joe hopefully will come off the bench when, when KD is back. You know, it gives you a, a semblance of options. Yeah, I think you're just trying to see who can establish herself as a consistent player going to the final stretch of the season and into the postseason. I think Utah made some progress tonight after a pretty rough month. Just quickly touching on TJ, thought this was kind of a disappointing game for him. You know, offensively not very aggressive and defensively was getting targeted. And I think that was probably a reason that Vaughn didn't play him. There was a possession also in the second half in which he, I mean, in the second quarter, he rotated Joel Embiid and just ran past him instead of making any type of play on the ball. It's just like that type of effort you can't have. And I get it. You don't want to catch elbows from Joel Embiid, but you are playing professional basketball. Yeah, there are going to be growing pains in TJ's return from a very, very serious injury. He hasn't played basketball very much over the past 18 months or so. So we're going to have to expect some lulls in some of his form because he's been so consistent and so reliable. I don't really care if he has a couple of bad games here or there because I do think by the come the end of the season, the next 30 games or so, I think we get his feet under him. I think he'll get his confidence under him because he's shown good defensive moments. He's shown very good offensive moments. So this is a bit of a, a one that you sort of you know, throw the tape away and move on to the next one. And, and hopefully you know, the Nets can do that too and get a win against the Pistons. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think, well, I'm a little bit more concerned with TJ, but we'll see how that plays out the rest of the year. But as always, Jack, Fun recording with you. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.